Happy New Year from the Living Room Disciple Podcast. We hope that you had a wonderful 2023, and today Phil and I are sitting down to have a conversation about our greatest theological revelations of the past year. We're excited to dive into a couple topics that that we want to ask how they formed us as we grew and as we learned. And we don't just want to have these conversations just to talk about interesting things, but our, our hope and our prayer is that in the year to come, in 2024, that we would grow as we continue to learn from God, from His Word, and from one another. So thank you for joining us on this episode of the Living Room Disciple Podcast, where discipleship finds a home. Nick, welcome to 2024. Thank you. Feels good. How are you doing? Feels good. I'm I'm kind of wondering what 2024 is going to be like. To be honest, I'm feeling feeling good about the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Feeling like go, I'm going up. I'm going yeah. up. Upward little, trajectory in my life. A little hopeful optimism. <laughs> a little bit. All right. I'm hoping 2024 will be the year where uh, we end diapers. And I don't have to Ooh. do that season anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I would mm-hmm. also love the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Big dreams. I've been doing them for a decade. So yeah. you've got, I've got a few, like, yeah. quite a bit. I'm, yeah. I'm ready to be done. And yeah. I think 2024 is going to seal it up. There All you right. go. There you go. Well, I have no idea if you had a good Christmas or not, because we're actually recording this before Christmas, but we're going to pretend like it's 2024 it was but wonderful it was it was great i'm sure it's great <laughs> yeah it's fantastic yeah, yeah. i really i really hope those comments age well you know what i mean me too me too <laughs> okay but i'm really excited for our episode today because we are recording it really close to the tail end of 2023 we're in mid-december right now and we're taking some time to just me and you reflect on what we've learned about the lord this past year, specifically kind of our understanding of the scriptures and our um, exegesis from those scriptures that kind of creates our theology, like what are the things that we've learned theologically speaking, and what are the biggest revelations, like the biggest aha moments Hmm. that maybe we've shared on the podcast, but maybe we haven't, and they've kind of been like maybe private or just in, in our with our friends and now we're ready to give to the the rest of the world as kind of like a gift from the living room disciple hosts to everyone else yeah yeah i'm excited to to dive into this and our our hope and prayer is that 2024 is a year of learning just as 2023 was Mm -hmm. and i hope some of the things that we say today um we we would say them differently by the end of of 2024 yeah it's Continue becoming growth. it's becoming a habit for me like when i'm teaching um because i'll do a lot of teaching at like churches and stuff and i uh, like small group settings especially is where i i like to be and you know i'll get asked a question and i'll give a response you know and i'm learning when to give a caveat of like mm. if you ask me that again in two years i actually right. may give you a different answer like because i no doubt i've you know, I remember saying things when I was in my early 20s or even mid 20s and being so sure of myself. Yeah. And now like here I am, you know, a decade later and I'm like, no, you were wrong. 
20 something yeah. Phil, you know? Yeah. So if we can pull back the curtain just a little bit, we've actually been trying to have this conversation for, I think about a month and it kind of keeps yes. getting postponed. <laughs> We're finally recording it. And I'm actually, what you just said is perfect because I'm actually really grateful for that postponement. Um, yeah. Because my plan when we were originally going to record this, like I, I had this idea that I was going to come in and, and just like tell everybody why they're wrong and I'm right. And obviously I have seen the light and I figured out sure. this thing that nobody, you know? Um, yeah. And, and we can still talk about that thing, but I feel, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can still tell the world yeah, that I'm right. I'm and still, wrong. I'm fine. still happy to, yeah, no, but I, I just in, in the last month and, Honestly, just in in thinking and talking with my wife today, um, I've come to realize how much of even my own life is not what I thought it was on January 1st, 2023. Um, Mm. Even the things surrounding me in my day-to-day life are not what I thought they were a year ago. And so I just, when we open up the Bible or when we have conversations like this, I I just, I, I hope more than anything, I'm what I'm learning, my theological revelation is that I could be wrong. Like I, I need to have so much humility because if I can't Mm. even discern the things surrounding me or who I am, what gives me Mm -hmm. such confidence that I can discern the mind of an all-knowing God or discern the writings Mm. of 3000 year olds 3000 year old ancient Eastern thinkers. Like, why do I think Mm -hmm. that I can be such, such an expert on these things that should be so far beyond my mind. Right. When I, when I'm hardly qualified to know what's right and wrong in my own life. Um, and so I, I hope we can enter into this conversation with humility. Um, I hope we can model that for our listeners. Um, but I'm also just, I'm grateful that for whatever reason, the Lord had this episode be postponed a couple of times. Um, because I think, I think I'm in a better headspace to have this conversation. Um, and honestly, through some really challenging situations in my personal life, um, not just in the past month, but but I've learned a lot about um, just humility and, and taking a step mm. back and and growth through, through challenges. Um, and some of that growth is learning to, um, I wouldn't say doubt yourself, but learning to um, humble yourself and be adaptable. Hmm. I think a lot of our listeners have heard this phrasing before, or at least uh, it's commonplace in the Christian circles that I've kind of been in closed fisted and like open fisted, mm, you know, yeah. and this is the idea of like some things you hold so dearly, they're closed fisted. You you're willing to fight over them is sort of the connotation there mm. though. I would put fight in <laughs> quotation marks. Yeah. And then open-handed is the things like they're kind of like negotiable, like you could be wrong, you know? Right. Um, I've always had that framework. I just came from a church that taught that. But I've more and more and more, I'm realizing that almost the only thing that belongs inside of that closed fist is Christ and him crucified. Right. Um, uh, Maybe I'd add just a few more things to that. Like, just but, you know, I think there's there's been seasons in my life where i'd put a lot in that closed fist oh yeah and i could point to scriptures that would that would say that this is what i believe is true and so therefore i felt and i'm more and more i'm understanding what paul was talking about he was like dude just don't get into foolish debates Mm -hmm. not like be above you know like just don't like it's it is a satanic thing 
to get caught up in foolish debate. Mm. And, you know, I wish Paul would have done a better job defining what were foolish debates exactly. But part of wisdom is knowing which of those debates are and are not. But more and more, I'm, I'm, I'm learning. It, it's weird. I'm learning to hold much of my like growing knowledge in this open-handed, like, this is really interesting. This is really forming me well. A bunch yeah, of stuff exactly. we'll talk about. I'm really excited. But if I'm but totally wrong, like, it's okay. <laughs> if I'm totally wrong, it's okay. But more and more, I'm also becoming more convinced, convinced and convicted that that, that I serve a, a Jesus Christ who is my king mm-hmm. and I'm in his kingdom and I'm brought into that kingdom through his work on the cross. And that's more solidified than ever before in my life. Like, yeah, I love that. Ironically, I'm becoming more, I, I, to use a, a slightly polarizing word, I'm, I'm becoming more entrenched in that mm-hmm. basic, simple gospel that revolves around the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. even as more and more becomes less it's almost like it's almost like i have more space to hold tightly onto jesus as i let go of some of the other stuff i don't yeah, know if that's a amen. good image or not i love it and i think that's mm. the gift that the creeds give us the nicene creed and the apostles yeah. Creed, is that mm-hmm. all of the conversations we have beyond what what those creeds state about the trinity about who father son and holy spirit are about the life of the world to come about jesus descent to the dead about the cross about these mm-hmm. these foundational few things that fit in in these little poems um yeah. beyond those things we should have really open hands and so often we i mean look at the history of our of the church splitting over the last several hundred years mm-hmm. um often over things that are not in those creeds at all um yeah. even the way that we've that the church has has put people to death and and brought mm-hmm. martyrs based on things that are outside of the creeds and should have been held with an open hand they've um, killed people over things that we don't even care about anymore exactly That's how temporal right. they were Exactly right. Yes. So we Mm. should learn from that and have these conversations with open hands, be willing to be wrong, Mm. um, as long as we resolve to know Christ and him crucified. Mm. Well, praise the Lord. I think that's a great preamble and kind of sets the stage. But also, we've nerded out this year. And let's (laughs) end this year with a little more nerding out. And well, I, I, I don't know, we didn't talk about this beforehand. I really hope we don't have the same one. That would be embarrassing. That would be surprising to me based on what mine is. (laughs) It would be. (laughs) Yeah. But we'll share what our revelation has been. I got to think of a backup one just in case. And uh, (laughs) and then we'll we'll also talk about how that's been forming us because that's the point. Mm -hmm. Um, Learning something is super cool. I'm I'm all down for it. But I think as we learn and meditate on the word of God, the goal is to become more like Jesus as we do it. So let's talk about how these views are making us more like Jesus. And Nick... I want you to go first. Wow. Happy New Year. So, so gracious of you. 2024, <laughs> starting off with a bang, and it's actually December 12th, 2023, but that's okay. All right. So my theological revelation is actually kind of a package of revelations. Um, mm. I've This might sound a little weird at first. I've done a lot of thinking about sin in 2023, um, meaning mm. that I think I had a very shallow definition of sin. Mm-hmm on January 1st, 2023. And this year, um, I have seen in scripture that sin is much larger than I gave Mm -hmm. it credit for, much more dynamic than I gave it credit for, and much more personified than I gave it credit for. Um, Much less simple. Um, I I think we talk about sin as 
the behaviors of individuals. Um, and what I've come to find, especially in the book of Romans, is that sin is often personified as this kind of tyrant force, um, mm-hmm. almost as mm-hmm. a kind of Satan figure. Sin is sin with a capital S. Um, or sin is on the move to wreck our lives. Sin is seizing mm-hmm. opportunities. Sin is enslaving us. Um, and sin is a is a proper noun, not just a you know some type of action that we take, but it's a it's a noun that an works example, on us. Wouldn't an example be with Cain? The Lord exactly. says to Cain, "Yep, sin is crouching at your door, ready to devour you. You need to rule it." Exactly right. And he used like a similar word of how like Cain was supposed to treat the animals to rule over them. He was supposed to rule yeah. over this exactly animal right. that was yeah. sent him. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so that this is really nerdy and I actually haven't seen this movie, but in the eighties, there was a movie called the blob and the premise is okay. that there's this, and I might totally butcher this because for the again, record. This reminds me of like movies. Robin Williams's flubber. Like, I yes, you know, but anyways, which is probably it. a better movie. I'm sticking with it as a millennial. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Okay, go <laughs> um, okay, but the idea is there's this little blob of goo or something, and then this blob somehow picks up some debris or something and gets a little bit bigger, kind of like rolling a snowball down a hill, but it oh, turns okay. into this like evil thing that grows so large that it's like engulfing cities and destroying things and everyone's running away from the blob. And I think wow. sin works a little bit like that, where it starts with Adam and Eve, pick a fruit off of a tree and they disobey God. Mm -hmm. And that's a sin. Yes. But we kind of have to ask the question, like really like the downfall of the world was taking a bite of a piece of fruit. Like Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. it doesn't Mm -hmm. quite track, but when you have this kind of like blob mentality, this sounds so Mm -hmm. silly, but, but the blob picks up a little bit of momentum and then crouches at Cain's door leads him to do Mm -hmm. something as terrible as killing his brother. And then the the rest of that chapter goes on to narrate, narrate how Cain's, genealogy leads to the building of a city and death and destruction and tyrant Mm -hmm. kings and all of these things and the fall really isn't genesis 3 the fall is genesis 3 through 11 you've got to read the whole thing to see how it starts with adam and eve and goes all the way through don't the take tower my now. theological revelation nick okay be careful um, <laughs> oh we're right, are close. we treading on similar ground <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah. i'm so excited to hear yours um yeah and so so i think um that sin picks up this this um momentum size gravity Mm. power um and honestly this has reshaped the way that i've thought about original sin um and Mm. this idea of being born in sin um i think it gives it a little bit of nuance where i would still absolutely say we are all sinners in need of salvation Mm. in need of christ's grace and mercy and forgiveness um nobody can earn their way to salvation but i would say that um in romans 5 when paul describes that what he describes is that all have died because all have sinned. And he says that mm-hmm. in Adam, death was released out into the world, but he doesn't say that sin was released into the world through Adam. Um, mm-hmm. He says that in Adam, all sinned. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, as Romans 3 says. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've started thinking about it in terms of, like if, if, if part of the punishment for Adam and Eve was your, your children are going to be born inherently sinners, you would think he would have, God would have said that as he gave them their punishments. But instead, what we see on the mm. next page is there's one righteous son and one son who has the choice to do something righteous, but chooses to do something wrong. And mm. Jesus even goes on to call Abel righteous later. Um, so yeah. I think the picture is that all people choose sin because sin came from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, came from the serpent, and was 
loosed into the world like a small little blob, but continued to grow and grow and grow mm-hmm. to the point where it is irresistible, where we are all Cain, not in the sense that we're bringing death to others, but in the sense that all of us cannot resist sin's lure. Mm-hmm. Sin seizes the opportunity and we all fall into sin. Um, so I've just had a have a much more nuanced view of sin is not just, I did something wrong, that's a sin. Or mm-hmm. sin is something that I, w- I was born a sinner. Um, my, my new kind of view of sin is that sin is a power in the world that I need to be aware of and on guard of and in community to avoid together. Um, and of course, God is still stronger than sin. Jesus mm-hmm. and on the cross conquers sin and death. Um, but I think that we have all succumbed to sin's temptation, which is why Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, and I think it's, um, we can talk more about formation later, but it's been a, a really helpful framework for me in seeing sin as something to, to fight against, something to stand against, something to bond myself in community with others, um, and to rely on Jesus to walk through the valley of death and come out righteous on the other side through, through the blood of Christ. So let me ask you a question, because this, this is really yeah. interesting to me, and it, it is resonating with a little bit with what I've kind yeah, of learned yeah, yeah. this year, especially when you're talking about sin being personified. Mm. Um, I've noticed that a lot um, in the Hebrew scriptures, especially, but even in Romans, like yeah. equating conquering sin and death, not the consequences of sin, but sin as personified entity, conquered yeah. as personified entity, which right. I think is interesting. So mm-hmm. I think... Most of us have been, you know, taught that sin is missing the mark. I think that's usually kind yeah. of the the metaphor and the analogy that's been given. There's a, a mark of perfection, uh, being in obedience to, to, to the Lord, and we miss that mark. So how is your current understanding, not saying that you're an expert, right? And that, you know, yeah, you're, you're going to continue to learn and grow, but kind of like, how would you respond to that current uh, or common explanation of, of what sin is? Yeah, I think it is 100% right, but not a large enough description. Sin does mean to miss the mark. Sin can be wrong behaviors that it I haven't It just dis- doesn't just miss that. Just mean that. that, exactly. Mm-hmm. So if I, mm-hmm. if I lie to my wife, I have still sinned against her. That, that behavior of mine was still a sin. Um, but to me, sin now has a much larger definition mm. than it did a year ago. Huh, okay. Yeah. And I mean, let's just get to the formation now, just so we don't okay. change topics. Like, yeah. well, I mean, why does this matter? Like, how is this <laughs> yeah. in any way, shape, or form making you more or less like Jesus? I think right. I have maybe an idea, but, but flesh that yeah. out a little bit for me. Yeah. So the first thing would be as I'm raising two little boys, Mm. starting from the framework of sin is an enemy that is coming to get you and I need to um, do my best to (laughs) disciple you and train. I don't tell them that for the the record. Yeah. 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 But it's helpful for me to know um, Mm -hmm. versus thinking you were born this corrupt little sinner and there's nothing we can do about that, but we can get you Mm. saved one day and that's going to solve like rather i'd rather think about sin as being something outside of them 
Um, and I think the Bible, I wouldn't just rather think of it that way. I think the Bi- that's the story the Bible tells is that sin is mm-hmm. something that starts outside of us and works its way in versus it's something we're born with it inside of us and we need Jesus's blood mm-hmm. to get it out of us. Um, and so the, the atonement theory of Christus Victor, to use some, some nerdy language, the theory that on the cross, Jesus defeated sin and death and in the resurrection, Jesus defeated sin and death. And in the ascension, Jesus defeated sin and death um, doesn't just mean that he cleansed sin from out of my body. I still sin and I've been a Christian <laughs> for 20 years, right? Um, yeah. It, But it does mean that he put the initial nail in the coffin for sin so that a day is coming when Christ will return and sin will be vanquished forever. There will be no mm. more sin, death, harm, tears. Um, and so starting from the posture of sin begins outside of me and is a force that as a human being, I cannot overcome but Jesus was mm. born. And by the way, Jesus was born fully human, right? And so if all mm. humans are born sinners, mm. then Jesus had to be born a sinner. But we obviously know Jesus is not a sinner. Um, mm. And so there is Jesus, a counter argument to that. The, the virgin birth? Yeah, I think if, if somebody yeah. was to give a like rebuttal, they would just say this is yeah. the importance of the Immaculate Conception. For sure. Um, and that has been the argument. Um, but yeah, I think. Jesus as fully human and Hebrew says that he um, was tempted and tried as we mm-hmm. are and mm-hmm. <laughs> knew every temptation that we do. And if he wasn't born with a natural inclination to sin the way that we are, then mm. he didn't face everything the exact same way that we do. Um, Jesus was perfect, was tempted in every way and yet did not sin. Um, that's mm. what, that's one of the many things that makes him different from us is that we do sin. Um, but I think, mm. I think another way of framing all this is I've, I have a much larger view of who, not larger, a much more beautiful view of who humans are. That God, mm. I mean, on the first page of the Bible, God created us as in his image and then sent us out as his ambassadors to rule the world for him. And we're just like, we're just a bunch of worms in need of forgiveness. Like yeah. we're so much more than that. Like, yes, in a lot of, yeah. we have done terrible things to each other with the humans have wreaked havoc. Humans are sinners. Humans have just, yeah. I don't need to probably even go any further because everyone, everyone yeah. knows um, that within my heart, there is tremendous wickedness and I need grace and I need salvation and I need redemption and I need mm. to repent. Um but at the same time, like God has a huge calling on my life because he created us as the pinnacle of creation. Yeah. And we need to, you know, rejoice with Psalm 8 that, mm. that he has crowned us with glory and honor. And that is beautiful. Have, I, I don't yeah. know where I stand yeah. on, uh, it, it, the term is original sin that you're born with sin, correct? Yes. Is yep. call that? Yep. Yep. So I still don't know where I, I, I think I'm still leaning towards um, born into the kingdom of darkness, but. We'll have, yeah. I'll have to meditate on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got any books or anything that you read this year that's kind of like helping with this framework? Mm-hmm. Um, so the best resource for this was um, actually a set of blog posts on Dr. Michael Heiser's website. Um, he's most famous. He is, he's passed since, but mm, he's most famous he for a book year. he wrote called The Unseen Realm, where he talks about mm-hmm. kind of angels and demons and the, the council mm-hmm. around God. Um, but he has a series of blog posts on Romans five, which is the most famous set of passages or most famous passage on original sin. Um, Mm -hmm. and it, it is a very persuasive argument that he makes, um, that, that I found after already having (laughs) several of these thoughts and he, he's the one that kind of sealed the deal for me. 
All right. We'll have to throw the link to that in the show yeah, notes. And for sure. I'll have to read it too, because I haven't read it. Yeah. Absolutely. Any All other right. questions? Are you ready to dive into your revelation? Uh I don't want to talk about sin anymore. I'm yeah. sad and depressed. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just kidding. No, just no, said no, Christmas. Think, Come on. <laughs> I will say this. I think that being truly cognizant, especially in the Hebrew scriptures, how sin is personified as an outward mm-hmm. force. It is that it doesn't necessarily negate that this is something that we participate in and it's inside of us, but keeping in mind that the authors consistently personify it as an out external thing as well as internal. But I, I really do think that's going to help me in my parenting. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I didn't make that connection before when, but when you did it, I think that was for me, that mm. was like, Oh, like when I'm thinking about my boys, Again, being really careful how I speak to them about it. But, yeah, but right. in my mind is my framework being like, what am I doing to... I think we we might make Satan and sin a little synonymous. And, and I think sometimes the scriptures kind of blur that line as well. Oh, for sure. So I just think for me, that'll be a good framework of thinking like, you know, what am I doing to, to guard from the temptations of sin? And you can only yeah. do so much. You know, gosh, in Eden, outside the garden, but in Eden, Mm -hmm. walking beside the Lord, Cain still succumbed to sin. So clearly there's only so much I can do as a dad. Um, But yeah, absolutely. It's going to be helpful for me. Good. Praise God for that. Yeah. That's what this conversation is for. All right. So hit me with your theological revelation. I'm excited to hear it. I, so I've I've learned a lot, a lot, a lot this year. And, but there has been one I think basic framework of reading the Bible that has truly penetrated deep into my into my life and has been really beautiful that I think for me would be my greatest revelation. So hmm. heavily influenced by Tim Mackey, the Bible Project, and just the Bible Project podcast. For me, I've, I've listened to the Bible Project uh, throughout the last few years, but 2023 was like the year of the Bible Project. Like I listened to so many yeah. hours of podcasts yeah. uh, from them, and I've been even been taking their introduction to the hebrew bible um online course which is free and i can't recommend it enough i'm just about to finish it and i'm stoked i'll be going on to another course immediately afterwards it's fantastic but inside the introduction to the hebrew bible course and then kind of heard throughout many of their conversations john collins and Timaki on the bible project you know they have these if for listeners who aren't aware for every one of those like little videos that they make on YouTube, there might be six to 10 to 20 hours of podcast conversation that's released uh, right before that video comes out. And um, really helpful conversations where they dive deep into, into things. And for me, this year, I just realized how the Genesis narrative, specifically Genesis 1 through 11, hmm. is sets the pattern for the rest of scripture um like the rest of scripture like picking up right in genesis 12 um and all the way through you know revelation it it is consistent and ongoing and it's like one of these it's kind of like if you buy a car suddenly you you can only see that car on the, the road everywhere you go now, you know? Right, I right. remember the first time I got like a Toyota Corolla, like one of my first cars <laughs> and like suddenly everybody drove a Toyota Corolla, yeah. which they do, but you get my I point. I think that's still true. Yeah. It's still true. Yeah. And, um, so, so for me, I'll just, I'll give some examples and then I'll talk a little bit about like why this has been important to me. Yeah. So 
you, you going into the book of Judges, for example, you find Deborah, who's the only woman judge, and you find her between two trees. And I learned and just kind of had, had this understanding of like, oh, these authors of the, the Hebrew text, they did that intentionally. Like when they choose details, they're really intentional about the details yeah. they include. So like, why would you include her in the midst of two trees? And so, so you get this woman who's between two trees and she ends up, um, you know, just like all the other judges, you know, has an encounter with um, this oppressive ruler and um, she ends up defeating this oppressive ruler through um, teaming up with um, the military leader of Israel, um, Barak, I believe his name was. And they fought, but this mil- this guy, he fled into the wilderness, which again is another key term. We get the serpent comes from the wilderness in Genesis 3. And so this guy gets, he goes directly into the wilderness. He ends up um, at the tent of a woman. He asks her to hide him. She hides him, um, he thinks. And then she um, uses a tent peg and stomps on his head, right? She impales his head. So this serpent-like creature who goes into the wilderness he has his head crushed by a woman. And it's not a direct correlation to Genesis, you know, uh, 3, uh, the fall where we see um, the, the, what's prophesied essentially by the Lord when he speaks and he curses the snake, right? But it's all this like imagery that's brought into that moment. Mm-hmm. And the more I'm learning that Genesis 1 through 11 is this really quick high-level overview of like the beginning of, of order in this world and the essentially the origin stories, uh, like 1 through 11 is high-level and it's quick. And we really don't get much in the way of intimate details about people. So 1 through 11, really high level, and then Genesis 12 comes, and it's where the Bible narrative kind of finds more of a narrative pattern in a sense where it zooms into Abram, and suddenly we get this narrative, and we we kind of get like a whole different way of writing. And I've learned that Genesis 1 through 11 is kind of saying like, this is how the fall happened. Mm. This is now the story on repeat. Allow that to be the lens in which you read everything. And so now I'm starting to read the, the Bible, trying to kind of imagine like what it would have been like. So you're reading yeah. Abram and you're, you suddenly see Abram having a relationship with Yahweh in a way that we haven't seen since really Enoch. And we're like, oh, I wonder if he's the seed of the woman that's going to defeat this serpent-like creature, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this sin that, you know, and then we... We wait until he has a moment where um, he becomes fearful for his life. And so he does what's right in his own eyes. And then he falls just like everyone else. And it's a it, it, long story short, it just keeps going. And I can't yeah. not read the Bible like this anymore. You know, like yeah. every time I read, I'm like, oh, man, this is the, you know. And it, it means the Gospels are more beautiful to me because the Gospels keep having these fall-like setups but Jesus defies all the expectations that have been set in the Hebrew Bible. He, you know, he doesn't do what's right in his own eyes. And so just take that, that language, right? She, Eve, in the garden, saw the fruit. It looked good for wisdom. looked like it would taste good. And she reached out and she took it. 
And then you take Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, and he's offered, in a sense, or attempted to have the same way out, to to look and to see. He saw that this was going to be bad, (laughs) and he did not want it. Like He was very clear with the Father, I do not want this. If you can take this from me, take this from me. So it's just so clear that, in a sense, his desires were so opposite of the Father's. He had a moment like Eve had, but where she reached out and she took, uh, he he does the exact opposite. And he says, but whatever you want, that's what I want. It's as if Eve had said, oh man, that fruit looks so good. But you know what? Whatever Yahweh wants, Yahweh wants and he can get. And then we wouldn't have had sin. We wouldn't have had the fall. And I don't know, the, the moment's more beautiful now as I'm watching it fall into the pattern that's laid out in Genesis 1 through 11. It also has me studying Genesis 1 through 11 a lot more, thinking about it a lot more, teaching it a lot more. And it's bringing the scriptures alive afresh for me. And I hope for some people that I get to teach. Okay, oh, I need to take a breath. Uh, but I'm really excited. It's It's been something that's been deeply influential for me this year. Yeah, I love that. And I think you know, and maybe our listeners know that I also am religiously devoted to bible project if that doesn't sound too yeah i I don't know i don't know actually (laughs) Uh, to to the bible which has been given greater clarity for me through bible project anyway um so so yeah i i've thought about a lot of the same things um and yeah even just think about jesus after he's baptized he goes into the wilderness where he's met Mm -hmm. by a tempter who offers mm-hmm. him food, turn mm-hmm. these stones into bread, and he says no, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this weird detail about how the angels attend to him and he's there with the animals. And you're like, oh, like like Adam with the animals in, in yeah. the garden, got it. Um, or to, to go just a, a few hours before the Garden of Gethsemane when he's with the disciples and rather than taking food to eat it himself and to disobey the Father, what he does is he takes food and he breaks and he blesses it and he gives it mm. to to the disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing on the road to Emmaus when he's walking with the disciples who don't recognize him and, and he takes and he breaks and he blesses and he gives. And that's when they recognize that he is the crucified and risen Messiah is mm-hmm. through the mm-hmm. giving of food. It's it's the reversal of, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Genesis 3 giving of food. Um, and just how often these these kind of themes come up, not just in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament too. Think about Jacob deceiving Esau with a bowl of food or or Jacob deceiving his father yeah. with a plate of food, right? Um, there's yeah. there's so many, so many echoes of Genesis 1 through 11 throughout the rest of the Bible. And, and even just understanding that like we're to look at the biblical patterns and extrapolate them out. It's going to sound like I'm taking a crazy right turn here, but just track me on this for a moment. So um, I was asked the other day about, um, uh, I don't know, I'm I'm reading through the book of Revelation. And so it came up conversation. Someone asked me a question about, um, you know, microchips and, you know, mark of the beast kind of of stuff. And so, which I think is legitimate questions, right? Like I think that, that, these are things that are talked about in, in the church. And and so I think that, you know, what's happening with AI and, and I think someone who has a genuine heart turned towards the Lord can become unsure and, and afraid, you know? And 
Long story short, she was asking me if I saw this type of technology as being relating to this, uh, the book of Revelation. And I didn't think about this beforehand, but when she asked me that, and just kind of in light of reading the book of Revelation, but seeing the patterns of scripture kind of played out, I started to realize, I was like, I, I never want to put God in a box and I can't predict the future. So I just want to be clear about that. I'm not, I'm not here to say, thus saith the Lord, microchips are not the mark of the beast. I, I don't have that much hubris. But what I am saying is I'm learning that if I look at the, the scripture as a whole, and I see the patterns of scripture played out, that helps me understand the character of God and how his word tends to operate in our lives. And so there are moments of apocrypha, apocalyptic type literature in the Hebrew Bible. We could look at Daniel, for example. I think Daniel 7, when Daniel has a vision of um, a very similar vision to what John has in Revelation 10, with beasts coming up out of the water, with multiple heads and horns and all these kind of things. And this is where he sees the Son of Man, and the Son of Man is ultimately lifted up. Um, so we see this crazy type of imagery that we see in the, in the book of Revelation. We see it here in Daniel, and then we get to see the fulfillment of it, both its interpretation through the angel, but then also its fulfillment through the person of Jesus. And we get to see that in this example, that the Son of Man, that Daniel sees him being high and lifted up, there weren't real literal monsters. And um, we're seeing all this on this on this very spiritual, what I'm trying to say is we see this very human, ordinary, in many ways, man who lives a sinless life and is and him being lifted up is him being on the cross. It just subverts all of our expectations and we never could have seen it coming. And it also just kind of smacks of this God who wants to co-rule and who's not looking to trap people, but is looking to redeem and save. So if I take that, just that pattern of who God is and how this type of literature seems to work, it would just stand out as a an anomaly that you could just at, you know, get a microchip accidentally or a barcode on your forehead if you're from the 90s and remember all that stuff, um, whatever it is, you know, and then suddenly you're like, Mark, like you're locked into this kingdom of darkness and you can't go back or something. That's just not, that would stand out as uh, against the pattern of the biblical literature that we have that we've already seen played out. And I'm bringing this up because as I'm learning this year through specifically the pattern that we see in Genesis 1 through 11, but really just understanding biblical patterns in general, that you soak in, I'm, I'm learning to soak in God's word, get to know his character through it. But I also got to get to see not the, the box that he's penned into and he has to work in this way, that's what I'm saying, but he has chosen to rule not over us, but he does, but he wants to co-rule with us. And it seems like he's constantly showing us how to rule. And he does that through giving us significant amounts of patterns, patterns, patterns. Like this is how I do things, this is how I do things, this is how I do things. And we can kind of begin to look at that, those patterns, and help understand how we're supposed to live today, how we're supposed to think about the future, how we're supposed to think about our nation, how we're supposed to think about other nations. Like we can just use the patterns of the Bible and start to use them as a lens to see the rest of the world. And I think we're going to maybe never come to the perfect 
understanding of things, but we're going to come more close to that. And that would draw me to things like I'm, I'm not going to try to figure out, you know, what these exact signs are in Revelation. Or I'm not going to get worried about this technology in the future or whatever it is. We can, we can go on for a very long time. Maybe we should on how this influences how we live and act. But I don't know. I just remember having that moment yesterday where I'm like, yeah, this is why biblical patterns are important because they help me come to conclusions that maybe aren't always right. I'm probably probably not as right as I think I am, but that are at least more in tune with the character of God and the character of his working. Yeah, and the inconvenient thing about that is it really destroys the strategy of just I'm going to open my Bible and flip to a page and read a verse and see what nugget of truth God has for me today. Um, because not that yeah. that can't ever produce godly wisdom for you, but sure. you're not going to see the patterns that way. Um, and so when we yeah. read or listen to scripture, the way that the original writers and authors and listeners and readers did, mm-hmm. um, we're going to read it in much larger chunks. We're going to read it in community. We're going to yeah. listen to it and hear it read over us in large chunks and in community. Um, yeah. And that's going to shift our perspective on scripture, but it's inconvenient because it's not, it's not quick. It's not a five minute morning devotional. Um, and I think you actually touched on this in your, your interview with, with Dr. Heather Thompson day about how reading the Bible, sometimes it's, it's worth it to skip the five minute devotion for three or four or five days. That way you can sit down and have a fi- mm-hmm. 20 or 25 minute time reading the Bible. Yeah. Um, and, and pick up some of those patterns, pick up big stories, pick up big chunks, mm-hmm. um, because it's worth it to, to read the stories, not just um, get, get little nuggets of inspiration. That's not what the Bible was, was written for or designed for. There is a great series of videos that maybe we can put in the show notes. Um, the Bible, a, a Bible Project YouTube series on kind of like how to understand and read the Bible. And I think it's really helpful because it goes over the different types of literature in the Bible, we, you know, the Bible is not, the Bible is less of a book and more of a library of books. And I'm just learning that different books really do require different reading styles. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not saying there's not something to be gained in reading large swaths of the Psalms, but I think generally the Psalms are just best read one at a time, the whole Psalm, but read the Psalm and think about it <laughs> for a while, you know? But I think other pieces of literature, and again, they they should be sometimes dissected verse by verse so we can ponder them. But some of the advice that I give new believers especially is I'll use the epistles, for example, like the letters that the apostles wrote. I'll say, read the letter all in one go when you start studying the letter. So if you're going to read 1 Corinthians, read it all in one go. Then spend a few weeks reading it in small chunks. And then when you're yeah. done, read it all in one go. So like bookend your deep dive of First Corinthians by reading the letter as it was intended to be read. All in one go. Yeah, all that's in good one advice. Go. And things like that, I think, have helped me because you start to see those, those patterns in the pictures. Again, narrative, you know, literature, First Samuel, Second Samuel, Chronicles, you know. Um, I think reading those in large swaths can really help. Um the authors obviously had really important things to say and every word was vital. I don't want to indicate it wasn't, but they were still trying to tell large narrative patterns. And a lot of the learning is seeing Saul compared to David in these parallel stories, but 
Mm-hmm. You know, you may not see David's temptation that Saul had until you get, you know, four or five chapters later. So it can be difficult when you're reading that four weeks later to make that connection. They're like, oh, the authors are right. comparing David and Saul right now. And oh, David's anointed, but Saul's not anointed. And so we hmm. have like an anti-anointed one, um, you know, or, uh, you know, and, and we have an anointed king who's not on the throne and, and an anti-anointed king who is on the throne. And, and here they are. So some of that's going to never be seen unless you intentionally read in larger swaths. And so, but, but to your point, yeah, like more and more for those, okay. There might be some listeners out there who are getting a little bit overwhelmed. And I'm just going to pause and say this. The best part about reading the Bible is that we get to do it for the rest of our lives. (laughs) And it's intended to be read for the rest of our lives. And it will become more and more and more sweet and beautiful. And it's not because our head becomes full of more knowledge. It's because as we read and spend more time in the word of God, trying out new things, going through a season where you read one verse at a time and going through a season where you read the whole Bible in a year or whatever it is, it's less about a right and wrong. Although I do think there's some good tips on how to read the Bible and how not to. It's more about being willing to soak ourselves in scripture, Mm. not for the purpose of acquiring knowledge, but because I actually am in love with the person who wrote it. I'm actually in love with the Lord and I want to know him more. And I think the best part of of all of this, what we talk about on the pod, what we think about this year, how we've grown, the best part is there, there's less of a right and a wrong way to grow mm-hmm. in the Lord. And there's more of having a right heart that's turned towards a desire to love God and to serve him. And like just to be passionately in love with that him who was passionately in love with us and to passionately serve him who chose to serve us. And um, yeah, when your heart postures that way, all the growth you need will come. and Because he's going to be faithful to give it, because you're in a posture that's faithful to receive it. And a lot of times it'll come through cool podcasts like The Bible Project or amazing sermons preached by uh, you know people who love Jesus and are communicating in his spirit. Uh, but some of it will also come just through that inner voice that speaks uh, in our quiet time and in our prayers, um, through circumstances that just are so clearly the work of God, through um, stories that we've read before, but nothing happened. And then when we read them, something, you know, like it's still the work of God is what I'm trying to say, that does the growth in us. And the best part is all we have to do is have a right heart posture and then everything we're saying on this podcast, I think, makes more sense. <laughs> I hope so. I hope um, so. Yeah, I think I think we're we're kind of coming towards our ending point here. And um, what keeps coming back to mind for me is is Psalm chapter one, where it says that blessed is the one who delights in the instruction of Yahweh, the one who meditates on His word day and night. And then it goes mm-hmm. on to say that they will be like a tree planted by streams of living water, that all they do will be successful. Um, and I think that's what we're after, um, yeah. that, that when we're soaking in the instruction of the Lord, that what we find on the other side is growth like a tree that just has water constantly coming to it, that, that we're never lacking for nourishment because we're soaked in the instruction of the Lord, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, just... Rather than coming to the Bible thinking, what is God going to give me today? Or 
what am I going to learn today? Or how am I going to get a little bit smarter today so that I can own mm. the people who disagree with me theologically? What mm. if we came to the mm. Bible and said, I just want to soak in God's wisdom today yeah. um, so that I can grow just a little bit bigger, like a tree that, that grows over a span of 80 or 100 years, right? It, it doesn't happen mm. overnight, um, but we grow slowly but surely and our leaves become a blessing mm. to the birds that want to come in and nest in our branches right yeah. to, to cross into the the parable of the mustard seed um but we become kingdom of god people that that are wise in all that we do and hopefully become a blessing to everybody around us offering god's blessing to to those surrounding us well that, that's got to be where we end nick <laughs> happy new year happy new year phil Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast today. Nick and I covered a lot of ground and not just in this podcast episode, but really throughout this whole year, we've had the opportunity to talk to some amazing folks, to learn a lot, to process a lot. And many of you have been around since the beginning. So thank you. We're really excited about 2024. We're excited about the people we're gonna to talk to. We're excited about the journey that we're gonna have and we're praying that you'll join us along with it. You can find out more about us at livingroomdisciples.com and how to support us on Patreon, which would be a major blessing. Also, we referenced some books and some podcasts in this episode. Feel free to check out links to those in the show notes. Huge shout out as always to Anissa for amazing production work, to Eric for getting this episode out into the world, to Daniel Ramirez for the composition of our music. And thanks to you for listening and for sticking around. Welcome to Living Room Disciple Podcast, where discipleship finds a home. Happy New Year.